Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It's time for Lombardi Memories. So it takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Today we have Super Bowl 42, which was held on February 3rd, 2008, at University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, between the undefeated six-time AFC champion New England Patriots and the four-time NFC champion New York Giants. Don't forget about Home Field Apparel, who have great shirts with awesome designs of lots of NCAA football teams. I know I got one with a USC and their mascot, their old mascot, George the Tire Biter, and it is a great shirt, so you'll want to get that. Just head over to Home Field Apparel and make your purchase very affordable prices, very good quality shirts. You'll love them. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, after the third quarter of this game, there were only 10 points. What was the only other Super Bowl prior to this game to have fewer than 10 points after three quarters? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. The 2007 New England Patriots are famous for many reasons. They were the first team to go 16-0 in a regular season. They scored a mind-blowing 589 points on the strength of quarterback Tom Brady's record of 50 touchdown passes and receiver Randy Moss's record of 23 touchdown catches. Many of their victories came came in blowout passing. They cruised right through their two AFC playoff games against Jacksonville and San Diego to become the first team to start a season 18-0. But there was also controversy surrounding them. Head coach Bill Belichick was 
accused of filming other teams' sidelines to steal their signals in an ordeal that became known as Spygate. Eventually, the Patriots would be docked a first-round draft pick, but this situation made the Patriots to be accused by other teams uh, as cheating. Whether that was true or not is up to you to decide, but regardless of that, there is no denying the team's excellence on the field in 2007. Brady threw for over 4,800 yards, and the new NFL record for, for touchdown passes with 50, which would stand for six years. His passer rating was a sparkling 117.2, as he had thrown just eight interceptions. Moss had a great season, averaging 15.2 yards per catch on 98 receptions, going for just shy of 1,500 yards. Also, receiver Wes Welker went over 1,100 yards and caught 112 balls for eight touchdowns. Their leading running back, Lawrence Maroney, ran for 835 yards and six scores. And then this Patriots machine also had Defensive back Rodney Harrison, linebackers Teddy Bruschi, and Junior Seau. To put it bluntly, they were stacked from top to bottom. Their opponents, not so much. The New York Giants started out the season 0-2. Only one team in NFL history, the 1993 Dallas Cowboys, had started 0-2 and gone on to win the Super Bowl. They turned things around with a six-game winning streak, but after that, they went just 4-4 four and four down the stretch of the regular season. They got in as a wild card, clinching their spot a week before their season finale against New England. Giants head coach Tom Coughlin decided that the final game, he was going to play it as if it was a playoff game, even though his team had already clinched. The result was New England's 16th win, 38-35, but the fact that the 10-6 Giants played them so close may have been a heartbanger of what was to come. The Giants defeated Tampa Bay, Dallas, and Green Bay all on the road, coming from the number five spot all the way to the Super Bowl. That included a super cold NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field, where the Giants ended Brett Favre's Green Bay career by picking him off to set up the game-winning field goal. New York was led by quarterback Eli Manning, who had an up-and-down year with 23 touchdown passes, but also 20 interceptions. He threw for over, over 3,300 yards, and a thousand of those went to Plexico Burris, the receiver who caught 12 touchdowns. With Tiki Barber having retired the year before, Running back Brandon Jacobs took his place and rushed for a 1,000 yards and four touchdowns. The Patriots were 12-point favorites going into the Super Bowl. In reality, though, the Patriots were much bigger favorites. The Giants had gone into the Super Bowl on a fluke. They didn't deserve to be there. Number one seeded Dallas or number two seeded Green Bay did. The Patriots were a juggernaut about to make this championship season a formality. Everyone had New England finishing 19-0. Well, almost everyone. Paul Zimmerman from Sports Illustrated, known as Dr. Z, predicted that the New York pass for us was going to get the Brady 
and that the Giants would pull off the upset. Dr. Z was a joy to read. Sports Illustrated hasn't been the same since he passed. But his prediction sounded off the wall. I mean, was he just making that prediction to be different? There was no chance the Giants had beaten the Patriots. None. But as Chris Berman would say, that's why they play the games. The Giants started off this game with the longest opening drive by number of plays in Super Bowl history. Jacobs took two carries, then Manning threw the burst for a first down. He hit fullback Madison Hedgecock for a short game, then found receiver Steve Smith for a first down across the 50. Jacobs pounded for seven more yards, and running back Ahmad Bradshaw picked up the next first down on third down. Manning then threw another third, third down pass to Smith to convert. On the next third down, Smith made a third catch, but this time he was side of the marker. Kicker Lawrence Tynes made a 32-yard field goal, and the Giants took an early 3-0 lead. No one had any idea how important that drive was at the time. It went 16 plays and lasted one second shy of 10 minutes, the longest opening drive by plays in a Super Bowl. The Patriots answered with a long drive of their own. Maroney returned the kickoff to the 44, then ran twice for about 13 yards total. Brady hit receiver Dante Stallworth for seven yards. Then he floated one out the Welker, got a first down to 27. Running back Kevin Falk then caught a pass out of the backfield. He got another first down. And then in the end zone, tight end Ben Watson drew a pass interference call on linebacker Antonio Pierce, put the ball to one. Two plays later, the second quarter began, and Maroney pounded in from a yard out to give New England a 7-3 lead. There were only two possessions in the whole first quarter, the fewest in a quarter in Super Bowl history. The ensuing kickoff went out of bounds, and the Giants started at the 40. On third down, Manning went long for receiver Am Amani Toomer for a big gain out to the 19. Jacobs ran for four more, and Manning hit receiver David Tyree for five yards. But Manning's next pass went off the hands of Smith and was intercepted by defensive back Ellis Hobbs, who returned it to the 33. Patriots gave the ball to Maroney on three straight plays, and he couldn't get a first down after starting with an eight-yard run. The result was a punt, which defensive back R.W. McQuarters returned to the 36. Manning was sacked on first down by defensive end Jarvis Green and defensive tackle like Kevin Smith. Bradshaw then fumbled a handoff but somehow got back on it. He, but he couldn't catch his third down screen pass and the Giants had the punt. Punter Jeff Fiegels became the oldest player to participate in a Super Bowl when he kicked the ball down to the 29 but this record would be broken in the very near future. The Giants' pass rush got the Brady twice on the next possession. First came a sack by, shared by linebacker Kawika Mitchell and defensive end Michael Strahan. 
Then it was defensive end Justin Tuck getting a sack, and the Patriots were forced to punt. On New York's next drive, Bradshaw ran for one first down, and Jacobs ran for another. On the next third down, though, Manning was sacked and fumbled. The ball was illegally batted forward to a Giants player, essentially giving New York another play. But Manning was nearly picked off on that play, and the Giants had the punt. Brady threw a third down pass to Stalwart for a first down, before hitting running back Kevin Falk for another third down conversion. Moss then caught his first pass of the game to reach the Giants' 44 with less than a half a minute to go in the half. But on the next play, Justin Tuck got his second sack of the game, stripping Brady of the ball as he was about to throw. Defensive end Osi Yuminora fell on the ball. Giants had time now for a Hail Mary, but Eli's Hail Mary pass fell incomplete. The score of the half was Patriots 7, Giants 3. And then Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers put on a, a fantastic show as one of the last great halftime shows for us old people. The next one wouldn't be too bad either. Third quarter now, the Patriots started their First drive of the second half with a 15-yard pass to Welker. Maroney then ran for seven yards, and Falk caught a pass for a first down. Brady found Welker for seven more. Then he hit Falk sort of the marker, and the Patriots had a punt. But on the punt, the Giants failed to get a player off the field. Belichick challenged it, and he was right that the Giants still had 12 men on the field, so the Patriots got... Five, three yards, and a first down. Now, as much as this looked like it would haunt New York, instead it came back to haunt New England. The Patriots got a first down on a 14-yard pass to Folk, but after that, Strayan came up with a third down sack to push the Pats back to the Giants' 31. Now it was 4th and 13, and anyone knows that the chances of picking up 13 yards on a single play is rather remote. The Patriots were in field goal range. It wasn't even a 50-yard field goal. It was probably about 49 yards. And even if Van Adam Vinatieri had moved on to Indianapolis, Stephen Goskowski could make that kick. Instead, though, Belichick sent out the offense. Brady's pass to the end zone for receiver Jabari Gaffney fell incomplete, and the Giants took over on downs. Manning threw the tumor for two first downs before the Giants had the punt. Then the Patriots got first downs on two passes to Welker and a run by Maroney. However, they too had the punt, and the third quarter finished with the second fewest points in a game thus far in Super Bowl history. Manning went over the middle to tight end Kevin Boss for 45 yards, all the way down to the New England 35. Manning then completed a third down pass to Smith for another first down at the 12th. Bradshaw ran for about seven yards up the middle. Then Manning went play action over the middle to Tyree for a touchdown. Tyree just made the biggest catch of his life, said Fox announcer Joe Buck. Oh, Joe, if you only knew.
Now trailing 10 to 7, the Patriots got a first down on a 17-yard pass to Moss. They soon had a punt. The Giants now could have put the game away, but on a second down play, Manning missed a wide-open Burris, overthrowing him for, by just a bit. I'm not so sure that he doesn't even score, said Fox announcer Troy Aikman, a master of the double negative. The Giants punted, and the Pats took over inside their own 20. Brady now put together what looked to be the game-winning drive. He started with a five-yard pass to Welker and a pass to Moss for a first down at the 34. Maroney ripped off a nine-yard run. Then Welker hauled one in at the Giants' 43 for first down. Next, Falk ran for four, and Welker caught one for 10 more yards. Brady fired the Moss down inside the 20 before going to Falk over the middle for 12 more. Facing third down, Brady found a wide-open Moss whose defender had fallen down. Patriots took a 14-10 lead with three or so minutes to go. Now came the greatest drive of the 21st century. It started with Manning firing the tumor for 11 yards. After a pair of incompletions, Manning found tumor for 9 yards. After a measurement, Coughlin kept his offense out there to go for it on 4th and 1. With his last effort, Jacobs got the ball across the, the yard marker to move the sticks. Manning was forced to run on the next play, and he picked up five yards. On his next pass, defensive back Asante Samuel nearly picked it off on the sideline. It would have won the game, but now it was third and five. Now the next play, well, it was one of the most famous in NFL history. It was certainly one of the most consequential. Say what you want about the immaculate reception, but the Steelers lost the playoff game after that one. This one turned the result of the most important Super Bowl of all time, as there was the possibility of a team finishing 19-0. That's right, it was. The helmet catch. First, Eli Manning escaped a potential sack with referee Mike Carey keeping a very watchful eye to see that Eli had escaped and was not in the grasp. Then Manning fired it downfield, and David Tyree went up to catch it. Rodney Harrison jumped to try to knock it out, but Tyree pinned the ball against his helmet as he went to the ground. The ball never hit the turf. It was a completed pass for 32 yards. Timeout New York with 59 seconds to go. Some may forget that New York hadn't even scored yet. Manning was sacked on the next play by linebacker Adelius Thomas. Manning then threw incomplete for Tyree. On 3rd and 11, Manning got his team out of a bad situation by throwing to Smith, who managed to get the first down and get out of bounds with 39 seconds left. On the next play, Manning went to the sideline and lobbed it up to a wide-open Plexico Burris, Touchdown, the Giants now led 17-14, with just 35 seconds left. The Patriots had four shots to get in the field goal range. On the first one, Brady's pass for Gaffney was nearly picked off by defensive back Aaron Ross. On the second, rookie linebacker Jay Alford 
out of Penn State sacked Brady for a 10-yard loss, a 9-yard loss. Brady's third down pass deep downfield was broken up by defensive back Corey Webster. Finally, his fourth throw fell incomplete as well, with one second left on the clock. Belichick was so angry about his team's loss that he congratulated Coughlin and went off into the tunnel before Eli still had to take a knee. He did, and the Giants had pulled off the most improbable upset in the 21st century in the NFL, 17-14. After three quarters, there were just 10 points, and then this game turned into one of the greatest Super Bowl finishes ever. The pop quiz question answer was that there was only nine points at the end of the third quarter of Super Bowl nine, a 9 nothing lead, Steelers lead over the Vikings. This game had 10, so the answer, Super Bowl nine with nine points. Later in Super Bowl 53, there would be only six points at 3-3 tie, which is the new record. The most valuable player award went to Eli Manning, who, well, um, yeah, I don't get it myself. Um, Manning may have led the game-winning drive, but even the biggest play on that drive was more made more by the receiver than by him. The real MVP was Justin Tuck. Two sacks and a forced fumble that led to a turnover. There's no doubt in my mind that Tuck should have been named MVP of the Super Bowl after putting all this pressure on Brady. He turned the 589-point Patriots into just 14 points. The least valuable player had to be Patriots kicker Steven Guskowski. If he was healthy, as sideline reporter Chris Myers said during the game, why didn't he force his way out on the field to try a 49-yard field goal in the third quarter? There had to be a reason why Belichick chose to go for it on 4th and 13 instead of going for a field goal there. If Belichick isn't calling your name and number when there's a very important field goal, then there's got to be a reason for that, and that might reason might be that he just doesn't trust you. Now, the best player on the losing team... That would be Wes Welker. He caught 11 passes for 103 yards. And while he wouldn't have won MVP had the Patriots won, you know Tom Brady would have, Welker was the biggest reason the Patriots were able to keep the lead as long as they did. As for the best player you don't remember, that would be defensive tackle Jay Elford for the Giants. Alford came up with a huge sack on the final possession of the game. I had the honor of watching him play during his senior season at Penn State. He took back a fumble for, the for a touchdown, only to have it called back on a replay review. Alford saved his biggest sack for the biggest moment. The biggest play of this game was obviously the helmet catch, but what was the biggest play you don't remember? How about that 3-19 pass with just seconds to go? If Corey Webster doesn't break up that pass, then Moss might catch it, put the pass in field goal range. Then the game goes to overtime. Who knows what happens then? 
This was my favorite non-Packers Super Bowl. In my opinion, it was the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Because if New England wins, we have to hear for the rest of my, our lifetimes that they were the greatest team of all time. Instead, they're not even in the top 50. Eli Manning became a star. The Giants became Super Bowl champions despite not even winning their own division. And New York became only the second six-loss team to ever win the Super Bowl. For homework this week, I have this book to offer as one that you might want to pick it up. Earn the Right to Win, How Success in Any Field Starts with Superior Preparation. That's my pick for the week, written by Tom Coughlin and David Fisher. Tom Coughlin is one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. He deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His mastermind performance in this Super Bowl, where he came out with that 10-yard drive to start the game, definitely should earn him that honor. It's just too bad that he couldn't do it again. Wait a minute, he did do it again. Yep, that'll come up on this podcast in a couple months. In the meantime, we celebrate the Giants' upset victory as we move on to another crazy Super Bowl. The powerhouse Pittsburgh Steelers go up against the unproven Arizona Cardinals. It is going to be one crazy finish in Tampa, host of Super Bowl 43. In the meantime, I'm Tommy A. Phillip. You can find all my books at nifty90s.com. Until next time, so long. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.